The tide has turned. B2B buyers and sellers' interactions have changed. Welcome to The Markitect, a new podcast series for B2B product marketing executives. I'm Lindsay Chupkema, CEO and co-founder at Casted, the first amplified marketing platform for B2B marketers and a proud partner of the product marketing community. We are very excited to be bringing you this special series that focuses on amplifying the expert perspectives, insights, and opinions of this brilliant community. Each episode will feature in-depth advice from executives who will tell you how they built impactful teams, optimized go-to-market efforts, and enabled customer-facing teams. The Markitect is an easily digestible way to learn from your peers as you aspire to be an architect for growth. Welcome and enjoy this episode. Welcome to The Markitect, where leadership and product marketing meet. Today, my co-host, Irina Soriano, VP of Enablement at Seismic, and I are going to chat with Julian Sauvage. I hope I got that right, Julian. VP yes, of Product Mark, <laughs> fantastic VP of Product Marketing at Gong, regarding how the the Gong marketing team accelerates growth, specifically utilizing enablement and storytelling. At the start of every episode, you have to indulge me here. I, I ask these two fill-in-the-blank questions. And Irina, why don't we start with you and then we'll go to Julie. I am in marketing because... Uh, I am in marketing slash enablement because creating outstanding buyer experiences is what I truly care about. Oof, love it. Uh, Julian, uh, on to you. Uh, That's a tough one to follow. There we go. I was going to say, tough one to follow. Uh, I am in marketing because I wanted to be a rock star and I don't have a good voice. Like, that's a true story. And I feel like marketing is as close as it, as close as it gets to rock star status in the enterprise because uh, we build brands, we tell stories, we amplify, we listen to the audience, we rock the stage. So, uh, that's my answer. What's not to like about being a marketer? Brilliant. And I'll say this, Julian. Sheena, Devin, Elvis, Udi, at least to me, they tell me you're a rock star in your shirt turn at uh, Gong already. So mission accomplished. Okay, last one before we get to the Q&A portion. Irina, my definition of leadership is? Is to be able to delegate confidently and trust the people that you work with. So it's for me, it's key to build teams of people that are self-reliant and that are diverse in their way of thinking. Beautiful. Julian, my definition of leadership is? Um, my definition would be kind of three things. Uh, one is hiring. I, I hired the best talent. Uh, the second one is then I trust them and I guide them when I can. And the third one is I keep a smile on. I, tr- I tend to not take work too seriously. Oh, I love it, especially after what we've gone through over the past year and a half. We all have to ensure we smile as leaders. Yep. It, this is this is at the end of the day, we're not curing cancer here. So I love, I love that perspective. Okay, let's get to it. I have tons of questions, but Irina, do you have something to start? Yes, let's hop right in. Um, so, Julien, as a, obviously an important leader um, at Gong, you and your team are responsible for growth. However, no one team can drive growth, right? It's a team sport if we're looking at it. 
So who are your key stakeholders and what's your strategy to drive strong collaboration with those guys? Yeah, thanks, Irina. Great, uh, great question. I, I think I'll start by saying that in my head, product marketing is the connector, like more than anything else. If you, uh, and this is very American of me now, so I'm a little ashamed, but like you take one of those personality tests that kind of tends to put people in the box, right? So you hate them or you, you like them. You would do that with like, say, 100 PMMs. I'm sure 95 of them will end up in the connector or the relationship builder kind of category or, or box. I think PMMs as a whole just like bringing people together. Um, so for me, our internal stakeholders, and I'm not going to like teach you anything, uh, are product sales, C-level execs, enablement, people like you, Irina, demand gen, and, and brand. Um, and I think driving strong collaboration is, of course, absolutely key. Uh, it starts with a lot of like listening and two-way communication. Um, so maybe trying to like share something a little more like pragmatic uh, and some of the tips or the things that I do that I think help with that alignment and that collaboration. Uh, I can think of like three things. One is a monthly newsletter, right? Internal newsletters. Um, you would send that to, um, you know, for some of the functions that you have, PMM, customer marketing, uh, maybe thought leadership, that just still helps a lot. The, the second one is once a month, I try to crash the party with my cross-functional peers. So I would go to like the monthly revenue team, uh, lead, revenue leadership team uh, weekly or same in CS. And I would just like, explain them what's going on in PMM or in marketing this month. Uh, that would be the second one. And then the third one is uh, on a quarterly basis, at the beginning of each quarter, I try to do a bit of an internal roadshow. Uh, I think it's important to keep all teams really well aligned with uh, everything that's happening for this quarter, what are the big bets, what are the key associated programs, and then get some feedback and, and align with the teams around that. So it's just very simple communication tactics, but I've seen some of them being successful here. Love it. And Irina, I want to hear your thoughts as well. Before we get to you, just to double click on something uh, you said, uh, Julian, and um, and I feel like I'm not saying your name in such a more impactful way, the way Irina says it. Irina, one more time. How do you say his name? Julian. Julian. Okay. Julian. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Uh, you said you crashed the party with your leather motorcycle jacket there. It seems fitting to <laughs> crash the parties. But who are your two key peer stakeholders that you are always in conversation with and locked at the hip with? I would say there's more than two. But if you ask for two, I would say my CRO, so uh, the, or the, the sales leads, and enablement, for sure. And I'm not saying that just because this is about enablement and PMM and Irina's in the room. Brilliant. Irina, that warms her heart. But uh, Irina, how would, who are your key interlock stakeholders from an enablement perspective? And, and how are you driving that collaboration at Seismic or even amongst the customers that you, you hear best practices from? Yeah. So fairly similar to what Julian just said. Um, so at Seismic, we uh, enable everybody who's customer facing. So that means our product marketing teams, our sales teams, our sales engineers, our strategic alliances, our external partners, and all of our customer success folks. So 
Um, everybody really who sits C-suite and below, so all the leadership teams, those are the key people that we have to work with. Um, but then also our product team as much, right? So we have a, a whole stream that does product enablement and that's very important for us to sync and make sure that we're all on the same page and really pull in from product over product marketing and then out to the rest of the team. So our audience is a little bit larger. And so we really have to be the bridge builder across the company to make sure everybody has what they need. And when it comes to just overall strategy, I agree with Julien. It's over communicating. There's a lot of people with a lot of different objectives overall, right? That we can make sure we're supporting everybody individually but still can drive the overall mission um, and really the growth that the company is planning for. And ultimately, the collaboration between product marketing and enablement for me is one of the most important ones. Like if that's not a well-oiled machine, um, that's where the problems start, right? So I always make sure whenever, uh, even I was in a new role or there's some change, somebody new comes in, like that's always the person for me that I want to be super tight with. Um, and I feel that that impacts the rest of the team significantly as well. Love it. And and so I'm going to go back to Julian on this one. Uh, you named quite a few stakeholders that you that you interlock with and enable. So from a product marketing perspective, what are you and your team specifically? What is product marketing team? What are they doing to enable the the revenue engine, if you will, to grow faster than the market and your competitors, of course. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot we're, we're doing, as you would expect. Um, I would say it always starts at the very top with a clear mission, vision, value props, uh, company narrative, top-level messaging. Um, and you put that in, in one of those frameworks, right? And there's like a thousand existing frameworks out there. So whatever, they all work. But pick the one framework that you like and then you start, you know, putting things in paper and having kind of that pyramid of, of messaging. Um, and then it, you get into solution messaging, use case type of stuff, second call decks and whatnot, all the way down to demos, product differentiation and whatnot. So I think it really, what do we enable the field on is uh, messaging at any level in that pyramid. And then, of course, things like new pricing, new product product launches, um, things like that. So there's, there's like an arsenal of, of things that we, we try to reach our sales audience with. And I say this is where a close collaboration with, and with enablement is so crucial because they would help us really define the best sequence of events and the priorities because we can't enable everybody on everything all the time. So that pick and choose exercise is really key. And, and I rely heavily on my enablement partner to do that. Brilliant. And are you, is product marketing creating all the material and then training the trainer, meaning training the enablement team to go and, and do this? Or is enabling facilitating the product marketing team and actually delivering a lot of this training, whether it's product message training? Yeah, I think it's a bit of both. It kind of depends on like what level and, and, and what exactly is the topic of enablement, the topic du jour. Uh, I think at a high level, there's a cliche that I don't like as much, which is like PMM, we do content and enablement does channels, right? The old like content versus channels. I don't think that works. And I'd love to hear some of uh, Irina's point of view on that. I think it's partially true. I think when you're a PMM, 
you need to know the delivery mechanism. You need to know, of course, the audience, the format, uh, the certification process and whatnot before you start thinking about enablement, any enablement content. And vice versa, if you're on the enablement side of things, you kind of need to be on the call and also you know, be a speaker, welcome people. You're kind of the face uh, of training and learning and development to the sales teams. So you need to be a little dangerous on some of that content, some of those things that PMM would have built. So I think in, you know, in that Venn diagram, I like when there's a bit of overlap and it's not just content and channels, but it's actually enablement, doing a bit of content and PMM doing a bit of channel type of stuff. I would totally echo that. So I think there's a collaboration. Like for me, the piece is so we wouldn't produce anything value or messaging related, right? That's the PMM team. Like so that's super black and white. Um, and I think, Julian, that's the same in, in, um, in your organization as well. Where the overlap then really starts for us is we make sure we have a seat on the table when content gets built. What what sometimes happens, you know, if you have more experienced PMMs, it's fairly easy because they know the audience that they're working with. Sometimes when there's less experience, they might not know. So we might end up with a piece of content that sounds heavily technical, which as a seller, I wouldn't use because it doesn't speak to my audience, right? So for me, it's really we are the voice that brings in the voice of the audience so we can impact um, as content is built. So we're already part of the journey. So there's no like handover here, give you a throw a piece of content over the fence and wish you good luck with it. Like we then take the content and we activate it, right? Meaning there's obviously many different ways if we run it in person or if we do um, self-learning on it or if we build something for us in Seismic, right? And we push something out through our news center. So there's many different ways how we can do that. But that collaboration for me starts like from day one, right? So if we're not involved in that process, yeah. that's when you find things get kind of just disjointed and it's it's not a well-oiled machine what it should be. Um, and then obviously there's enablement content we're building, right? For the sessions that we're enabling and where we're activating the PMM content. So it's a little bit of both for us. Um, but yeah, like I said, that that collaboration is important and that would actually kind of lead me to my next question um, to you, Julien. So the, like I said earlier, for me, the relationship between enablement and the product marketing team, that's just key to success. If that's broken, I, no good enablement, right? So how do you ensure that your team is also clear on swim lanes and responsibilities and what's the black and white and what's the gray? Because I often get that question from enablers that say, my PMM team thinks I should be doing all of this or, or vice versa, right? And, and they're like, how am I going to deal with this? So I'd be keen to hear your take on that. You're handing well, first off, I think we're just slacking. I want PMM, uh, I want enablement to do everything for me and just I'll be hanging out by the pool. That's my default answer. But yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, so yes, tons of overlaps, as we as we said, and, and gray areas for sure. As I said, the content uh, versus channels thing is one area of overlap in that Venn diagram. We need that. We need the intersection. It can't be separated. Um, I think another one is uh, sometimes PMM doesn't realize that enablement enables and trains the field on stuff that has nothing to do with PMM. And vice versa, PMM works on stuff that the field does not have to be enabled on. It's not like every 
you know, piece of collateral needs enablement, right? So it's just like a bit of an acknowledgement of like, there's a lot of stuff that each team is doing and sometimes we intersect and sometimes we don't. Like when enablement is running onboarding classes or things around like sales methodology, salesmanship, like skills like that, this is not a PMM thing. And so a lot of PMMs are like, oh, I don't know what enablement is doing. I'm, I'm all mad, whatever. So that acknowledgement, I think, really needs to happen. Or like sometimes we in PMM work on things like event messaging, right? Like we build keynotes and whatnot. I don't think that's something that necessarily needs to, the, the, the field needs to be enabled on. So as I said, defining the Venn diagram and then also like acknowledging that there's all, there are things that, you know, PM, enablement does and PMM doesn't and vice, and vice versa. Um, and lastly, I'll say, and it's going to sound a little bit cliche, but I really believe that. I think common goals and, and OKRs or KPIs, call it the way you want, but like having a clear objective whether it's asset utilization or field adoption or actual pipe or ACP growth, what have you, define the objective, the data, and then we'll measure and succeed together. Yeah, awesome. And that would kind of lead me to go in a little bit um, deeper, Julian. So to maximize the productivity of your revenue engine, how do you ensure that you drive consistency for all of the go-to-market teams when it comes to telling the same stories? Yeah, uh, consistency is absolutely key. I'm not going to like, I'm preaching the choir. Uh, I, I think uh, it, it, there's a few things, right? It starts with PMM needs to really know what the needs are in sales and CS. Like I've seen too many cases, not at Gong, but at previous gigs and, and others, uh, where PMM kind of do their thing in their ivory tower, so to speak, and they actually don't know if that is going to be helpful to sales. Like they're, they don't have a clear kind of research aspect in their messaging. They don't, you know, they're, they're not attending some of the sales calls. They're just kind of doing their thing. So I think consistency starts with like a clear scoping of any messaging projects with a, a key, uh, you know, exec sponsor. Like there's no messaging work that ever should be done if you don't have a VP of sales or a VP of CS or somebody like that signing off on that, right? So that's from the get-go. Scoping, defining the need, the timeline, the people and whatnot. The second thing I would say about consistency is I think consistency is function of having a simple and memorable story. You know, it's hard to drive consistency if your messaging is all over the place and it gets into the weeds and then it goes back up there, whatever. One of the things that I really like about Gong is I feel like our strategic narrative has remained pretty consistent because it's a powerful story. And that's before my time. So I'm not claiming any credit there, you know. And, and so it's like if you have a story that's simple to tell and easier to remember, then that'll drive consistency by design, right? Uh, so clear alignment on goals and scoping, having a simple and memorable story will help with consistency. And the final thing I'll say is then you get into more of the tactical stuff where you can, as a PMM lead, work with enablement on having things like a corporate certification, 
standardizing on a few sales decks and demos, um, uh, driving the alignment with the team using tools like and solutions like Seismic and like Gong and things like that. But that's a little more a little more tactical. I really feel passionate about scoping the thing right and then um, you know sticking to a simple and memorable story. That'll be everything for for consistency. And and Julian, you you uh, Julian, uh, you mentioned <laughs> consistency a few times there. And so to ensure consistency, we have to have the right story throughout the organization, and and that yeah, gets yeah. you know filtered down through customers, prospects, the industry as a whole. Enablement, the the fuel for enablement is is really stories and, and storytelling. So. I, I would love both your your take on this, Irina and Julian. Who is responsible for the story creation at Gong and Seismic, and and what inputs are you getting to ensure that these buyers and customers can identify with the story? I mean, listen, like I like I said before, I think that doesn't happen just in a vacuum, right? So you know, if I look at Seismic. Obviously, you know, talking new narrative and and how to tell the story, I think this requires the input from a lot of stakeholders that have to sign off on it. Um, You know, that includes myself, that includes CRO, that includes head of RevOps, that, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Obviously, the the marketing team, the product team. Um, That's really how this whole thing comes together to make sure that we're all on the same page, that we all feel strongly and that we feel passionate about the story as well, that it represents us the right way. And then I think then it comes to really validating it with some, you know, some of the sellers, right? Going in and almost kind of pilot it and see how it lands with customers, right? Getting some validation that the story really lands and that people can relate with it. Um, and that comes down to, to the specific audience that it's targeted at. So for me, this is all collaboration, 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 making sure that enough voices are heard and then that there's not too many cooks in the kitchen either, but enough to make sure that you get a good um, good different perspectives on, on the topic as well. And then one person who really ties it all together, right? It's like the, the story builder that should, for me, should be one person who's really bringing the whole thing to the point. What do you Love think, it. Julian? And Julian, so who is whose feet is to the fire when it comes to this, this the final story? When you're talking about revenue intelligence and the story behind revenue, whose feet is to the fire? Who is the the, the one individual or group of, of individuals that is responsible for creating the story of Gong? I so I think storytelling, another theme I'm really passionate about. Storytelling, people think it's a PMM thing, or people think it's a marketing thing. It's not, it's a C-suite thing. Like the CEO has to be the one who signs off the company narrative, the strategic stories and whatnot. Of course, it's on PMM in partnership with others to build that story. Like in the race, if you were to like do some process around that, you know, the approver is your CEO. The person who's responsible is the lead PMM. Um, so I, I really feel like uh, it's an ELT or a C, an e-staff uh, type of topic. And uh, and to Irina's point about like the inputs that you know kind of like inform this, uh, it has to be heavily uh, based in research. We use, of course, Gong uh, within Gong. Uh, listen to a lot of calls to kind of know the top themes and themes and trends and whatnot. Talk to sales and CS and whatnot. So there's a there's an army. There's there's a ton of data sources. But yeah, to me, PMM kind of drives the story, but the story is at the C level. Uh, not at the just just the marketing thing. 
I love it. And I echo that because the story, the strategic narrative is the strategy. So I'm, I fully endorse True. that. Um, I, I did have another question, but Irina, did you have something you wanted to ask of Julian? I don't want to hog the spotlight here. Uh, uh-huh. No, all good. Go ahead. So from a equipping your go-to-market teams with these powerful, relatable stories, it's it's a must in uh, in today's selling environment. Before, it used to be all about features and functions. Why is storytelling so crucial today as we try to differentiate ourselves? You know, we talk about the MarTech stack and, and the MarTech stack used to be a few hundred vendors. Now there's, I, I don't even know the count of lost, of lost track, but the CMO and, and to a certain degree, the CRO, they only have a certain amount of time in their day. They can't listen to everyone's pitches. Why is storytelling so crucial in today's, especially in today's selling environment? I think, I think storytelling is the, the most ancient form of talking between humans, right? It's just like we've always told stories from the very beginning. That's how language and then writing and then history was, were created. So people tell stories for a reason. It's fun and it's memorable, And if you apply these two things to the enterprise, that's why everything needs to be storytelling in the enterprise. There's no way I'm going to remember the tiny product details or whatever if I'm a prospect, if I'm a client. But I'm going to remember that one compelling story that my AE told me because that's how my brain operates. So I think it's uh, it's just human nature. And I love the the fun aspect of how Gong tells your stories. You guys do everything very differently. You guys take a page out of the B2C book, more so than the B2B. B2B is very feature function, uh, buttoned up to a certain degree, whereas in B2C, they play to your emotions. They, they, They allow themselves to have some fun. And so I believe a lot more B2B organizations ought to take a page from a B2C perspective and and how they tell their stories. Uh, Irina, for whether at Seismic or even amongst your customers, what does enablement, what does success in enablement look like? Um, And then, so that's for enablement. And then what does successful storytelling look like at Seismic as well? Yeah, so starting with the storytelling piece, like for me, if I even just think about our sellers, right? Things have changed. We know that. This would have happened anyways 10 years from now, but you know everything that was happening in the world has just sped up this process. And if, if I'm a seller and I want to differentiate myself, the copy-paste in mail is not going to fly here anymore, right? That's over. And everybody is now online. Everybody is on social, right? That's how these interactions happen. So the person that tells the best story and that approaches bias that way, that's the person that's going to win. That's the person I'm going to answer to out of the 50 emails I'm getting, you know, over the course of the month. So for me, it's really about the differentiation. If you tell the best story and the most engaging story, that's going to be the person who's going to win in the end. Like that's going to be the person who's creating an outstanding buyer experience from the first interaction all the way to signing on the dotted line and then becoming a customer for life. So that's for me on the storytelling front. When it comes to enablement, like what success look like here. So I've always approached enablement, not just as, you know, the fire department, which some of us often become like, oh, let's just give it to enablement. They're going to do it, right? So that's, we don't want to be in the popcorn mentality. That's 
bad. So the whole goal for us is to be a strategic part of the organization. And that means that we have to build an enablement ecosystem. And that's what we're doing at Seismic. Oh. And that has five key components. So the first one is that we have to, that's in collaboration with the marketing team, help define the customer lifecycle and all the different buyer journeys. We then need to look at who are the different personas at Seismic that are involved in each of the buyer journeys because they all have to be enabled. That means if you only enable sales, you got a little bit of a problem because if your salespeople are amazing, but your customer success team has never been enabled on anything, skill, story, assets, then it's not going to be a good experience, right? So that's kind of how we're looking at that. Next Sorry. step. And Irina, I hate to interrupt you. This is a crucial point. You're talking about not buyer personas. You're talking about your own internal personas, meaning sales right. rep persona, customer success rep persona. Right. So, and there's probably, I would say between nine to 12 that you as the buyer will encounter as you get in the process with us, right? Pre, post, sale. So there's many more than just sales. Hence, this whole field of enablement is evolving just beyond just sales enablement, right? Um, so that's crucial for us to define internally, who are we enabling? Like who's on the list? Who's going to get all these, you know, services that we're offering? Um, and then the next step is, is that we have to define competencies to make sure that we're hiring the right people and skill sets for all these personas, right? And at Seismic, we have 15 for each of the personas, right? And some of them are overlapping, some of them are not. And the next step is that we're building out skill development programs around those that are very you know, functional and or technical in nature. And the last step is to make sure that everybody, all your personas have access to quality assets and quality content, not just sales. There's more people that we have to make sure that have access to that. So those are the five big milestones for us to create an ecosystem at Seismic. Um, and, you know, we're right in the middle of that. Like, we're, we're not done. Uh, you know, I've been here for 18 months. We've made huge progress. Um, but, they, you know, that we also still have a little bit of work to do. But I think that's, the, that's, for me, that's the modern view of looking at enablement. Oh, I absolutely love it. The enablement ecosystem. My God, I, I'm going to steal that for sure. Um, Julian. Yeah. What does success look like for you regarding enablement? Yeah, um, regarding enablement, I think at the end of the day, I, I kind of don't enjoy the enablement utilization or adoption stats and metrics as much. I think pro like activity doesn't mean progress, right? So I always want like my team and my enablement partners to kind of take a look at the actual hard business metrics. Um, like you can run a thousand trainings, but if they're not done well, or if the messaging is off, that will have no impact or maybe a negative impact on things like revenue, win rate, uh, pipe, what have you. So to me, my success criteria are kind of always hard business metrics. Uh, I will say in PMM, what I love is the, the broad spectrum of such metrics what I hate is the broad spectrum of such metrics, right? It's it's beautiful because we can touch every KPI that really helps companies run better. But at the same time, it becomes overwhelming, ill-defined, and it's kind of hard to report on. Um, so I always try uh, to, about KPIs to go beyond the usual pipe and ACV or pipe and AR uh, things. Of course, there's things at the very top of the funnel 
uh, with downloads and views and third-party mentions and whatnot. That's what kind of best describes your work at the category level. Then if you move down the funnel, of course, you would have Pipe. Big fan of conversion rates, like seeing the impact of the, the piece of, uh, of collateral or an enablement program on the velocity uh, of, the, of the stages, right? Like, do I go from Prisa 1 to 2 a little faster? Uh, do the conversion rates get higher and whatnot? Win rates, of course, is big. Uh, we like win rates, but win rates by competitor, uh, win rates to status quo. So trying to get as granular as possible yeah. to be able to take action, I guess. We don't do just analytics and reporting for the sake of it. We measure success to be able to constantly improve the next thing. And so that's why you have to get a little more granular when it comes to success metrics. Love Sorry, it. it was a long-winded answer, very non-PMME of me, but feel really passionate about the KPI and the success criteria uh, when it comes to PMM and, and marketing in general. So, Julien, I have another question for you. As we wind down, if you had a rally cry for your product marketing team right now, as we come out of the pandemic and we embrace the new normal, and I don't, don't really like that term, but I guess that's what it is, mm -hmm of how buyers and sellers interact, what would that be? The advice, I guess, I would, I would give to pretty much any team, any marketing team, is to, to talk less and listen more. Talk less, listen more would be my thing. I think we always, because we're, it's, it's Zoom calls all day long, we always talk, we talk, 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 we don't listen to one another. Uh, and it starts with good listening. So that would be my ready cry, talking less and listening more. I love it. Brilliant. So today, Julian shared with us that he loves to crash parties to ensure interlocking collaboration. <laughs> Irina shared with us the five steps that she takes to ensure the enablement ecosystem is uh, present and put together at Seismic. I love it. Last fill in the blank, indulge me. Product marketers can be architects of growth for the company if they... If they understand buyers' needs and can translate them into engaging stories. Beautiful. Julian? Almost kind of stole my words. Uh, this is good, yeah. I would say uh, architects of, the, of growth for their company if they think strategically if they're able to synthesize the, all the signals and all the data from the noise and then execute flawlessly through targeted programs. So think, synthesize, and execute. Brilliant. Julian, thank you so much for your time today. Irina, it was a pleasure. Have a good one, folks. All the best for the second half of the year. Thank you. Cheers. That's the show. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to visit productmarketingcommunity.co to subscribe and get more information on how you too can become a architect at your organization.